This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you got your Bible, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, the old Faith Hall of Fame. And I hadn't been here for a few weeks, or we had the worship not a few weeks ago. So we're going to jump back in there. And so if you ever study Hebrews 11, the whole chapter is on faith. The whole chapter was start to finish is about faith. And so we've taken different people from men and women in the Bible to different ones. And you begin to study their lives that you find out there's specific reasons why every one of them are in the faith hall of fame. It didn't happen just quite by coincidence. There's purpose in there. And so we look at a guy again named Moses tonight. And Moses is like every one of us. He had to learn how to live by faith. People aren't born that way. You learn to live by faith and you learn to trust God and you learn to trust God with exactly what he says. Now one of the highlights, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up this several times tonight, that when, when Moses obeyed God in these situations, these were things that had never been done before. So again, you go back and you look. And you think, this is the guy who obeyed God the first time these things had ever been done. So we pick up in in, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 28. By faith, or by an act of faith, he, Moses, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of, uh, of blood. Now, by faith, he instituted God's idea of the Passover. And this was the first time this took place. And it goes on to say, least he destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And so what you find out here that not only was an act of faith, but he began to understand that if they didn't institute the Passover, that the firstborn of all their families would be destroyed. Now there was a lot on the line there. And so we go back now to the book of Exodus chapter 11. Turn with me. This is where it will teach us on this. And so again, he had to trust God. He had to learn to believe God. And and he said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey God. And what you'll find out in, in this, even with him, I think he had the thought at times, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense up here. But because God said for me to do it this way, this is what I'm going to do. So remember, God calls Moses out of the wilderness and says, man, I need you. I need you to go be the representative for my people. And so he goes to the Pharaoh, and he tells the Pharaoh, he says, let my people go. And and the the Pharaoh laughs at him, mocks him. And so God literally tells Moses, he says, I'm going to show him that I'm the true God. I'm going to show him how I really am. So we pick up here in Exodus chapter 11. Verse number 1, and the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on the Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go. Surely he will drive you out of here altogether. Now he said, I'm going to bring one more plague upon him. So we go back and, and, and he had already uh, done nine different plagues. It was the, the, the plagues of he turned the rivers to blood. There were frogs, the plague of frogs. There were the plague of, of gnats, the plagues of, of flies. 
there was a plague on the livestock. All the Egyptians' cattle would die, but not the Israelites. And so he began to see all those. There was the plague of boils, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts. There was three days of darkness. And it still didn't get his attention. And so God said to him, he said, I got one more plague for him. Now, in all this time, I believe uh, uh, Moses was beginning to trust and believe God because God would say, I'm going to turn the river into blood. And sure enough, God would do it. And so all those times, every time God would say, I'm going to do something, he would do it. And I believe, man, faith was arising within Moses. An unwavering trust within him to say, God does exactly what he says. Verse 2. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Now what this is talking about is he's telling the Israelites, he said, listen. You go to those people that owned you, that you were slaves to them, and you tell them, I want articles of silver and I want articles of gold from you guys. And here's the the thinking behind that. These people had seen God move with all these different plagues, and I bet most of them were like, we'll give you whatever you want, just get out of our lives. Now, biblically on that, I believe this is Proverbs 13, 22. If you were to look at Proverbs 13, 22, it says, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. That's an incredible Bible statement right there. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. This is exactly what happened. Verse 3. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man of Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of all the people. I bet. Can you imagine all the Egyptians? I mean, he would mock the, uh, the Pharaoh's servants. And so they begin to view him, and that, that is a man of God right there. So now we begin to get in a little deeper here. And it goes on to say in verse 4, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female or the girl servant who is behind the handmill or grinds the flour, and all the firstborn of the animals. And so he says, all the firstborn of the land, they're going to die. The reason for this was they had rejected the things of God over and over and over and over. Let me throw you something in here that I believe will help you. This is the character of God. Ezekiel 33, 11 says, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. Understand this, God doesn't get excited about when people die. God doesn't get excited about when people go to hell. It breaks his heart, okay? So I want you to understand that characteristics of Father God. So he tells Moses, this is what's going to go on. Verse 6. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue. 
One translation says, it will be so peaceful for the Israelites that not even a dog will bark. And can you imagine that night? What takes place but the peace of God, the protection of God would be on Israel, the Israelites. And this was God's promise to him. So he goes on to say, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and between Israel. The sinner, the saint. God loves all people. But something happens when we begin to give our heart to Jesus. And so we jump to chapter 12. And what we begin to find out is how the Passover is, is put into motion. And when you begin to read this, and I'm, I'm going to read just a few, few verses through here because it's so long. But when you see the, the preciseness of what God said for him to do, it's incredible. So here we are now. We jump to chapter 12, verse number 5. And this is the Passover being instituted. And it says here, you're to take a lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish or spot. He's got to be a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now can you imagine? This man of God named Moses, he's hearing all this. This is the first time this has ever taken place. And it would be easy to say now, why, Father God? Why would we get a male that's without spot or blemish? Why would we kill him at twilight? But here's where I believe Moses' was. Because God said so. And I believe it's very important for every one of us in here to get to a place in life where when we read the scriptures, when we read the things of God, we say, because God said so. Right there, because God said so. I'm going to believe it because God said so. I'm going to obey it because God said so. Verse number 7. And they shall take some of the blood. Now the reason they had to kill the lamb, the only way they could get the blood was by killing the lamb. And so he said, and they shall take some of the blood and they will put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And so the lamb would be to be killed. This male lamb. And he said, you got to take part of the blood. Now, when you see all this, for him to take that blood and go to the doorposts or the door frames, and he would mark the door frames with the blood right over their house. Let me ask you something. In the natural, does that make any sense? No. No, but let me ask you something also. When the blood of Jesus was shed for every one of us on a cross, and he died for every one of us, Oftentimes, we don't, it don't make sense to us. But yet, the more I read the scriptures, the more I find out, man, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And so, now God tells Moses the playbook. This is how you institute it. And Moses is listening to God, and he knows, you know what? Now, I'm going to get the job of telling all the people. Same chapter, verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment 
I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you. Now I, I want to stop right there. I'm, I'm going to start back in verse 13. And I want you to pay close attention to all the times he says you. Watch this. He gets very personal. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So he makes it very clear. And the sacrifice is seen as means of deliverance for the individual. But also the family and also the nation. And so the blood right here, it points completely to the Lord and Savior Jesus. Do you see how the blood modeled Jesus the lamb that was without spot and blemish. And so it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And so this is what begins to happen. And so when you begin to look at this right here, he, he had a faith that he had to rely on God. And the more that, that, that Moses hung out with God, the more he began to destroy him. And so literally what takes place here is they had to be marked by the blood. Let me say it another way. On that night that this was going to take place, the only thing that mattered was the blood. It didn't matter where you worked. It didn't matter what your income was. It didn't matter what your mom or your daddy were. The only thing that mattered was the blood. The significance of the blood. I'm going to highlight that. Because the blood of Jesus still speaks today. And it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you live. The only thing that matters to this day is do I apply the blood. Now think about this. They had to apply the blood by faith. They had to believe when I mark that doorpost, those door frames, that little with the blood of Jesus, it's going to protect me. It's going to do exactly what God said. And so now we pick up, same chapter, verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So again, the only answer was the blood. The only thing that mattered is my house is it marked by the blood of the Lamb? So when you begin to see this right here, now listen real close. Without the blood on those doorposts, it gave the destroyer a legal right to kill. It's very similar with me and you. Without coming underneath the blood of Jesus, it gives the, the, the devil a legal right to move in our lives. Where's that found? Well, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, the word may, it has in there permission. If the devil could wipe us out any time that he wanted, don't you think he'd already done it? And so he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm telling you right now, when we begin to understand the name of Jesus, the authority we have in Jesus' name, and we understand the power of the blood of Jesus, 
When I speak the name of Jesus and when I begin to, to apply the blood and I apply the blood by faith, it drives the devil crazy. He understands the significance of the blood, just like in this passage. Verse number 24. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Now, think about that, that, that last word there, forever. The blood of Jesus is forever. You were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice, and with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. You know what that warranty is? It's eternal. You know, you can go to Sears and you can get 90 days, same as cash. Woo! We can buy a new car and get 0%. We think, what a deal! Man, I went to the store the other day and I bought two and got one free. What a deal. But this deal right here, the blood of Jesus, it's eternal. It's eternal. And so you may ask, well, did, did they have to do it by faith? Did they have to believe the God? Yes, just like me and you. So we keep reading here. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord God give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep his service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover, the sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. So the people bowed their heads in worship. You know what it says? Yeah, we believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. There's power in praise and worship. There's power when we bow, when we raise our hands, when we lift our voices, when we clap, when we express from our heart our gratitude, and I believe that's what they're doing. And he said, don't ever let your children forget it. Tell your children. What does that mean to us today? Tell your kids about the blood of Jesus. Tell them. Verse number 27. 28. Then the children went away, and they did so. I highlighted that phrase right there, they did so. The children of Israel went away, and they did so. They didn't just talk about it. They actually did it. They actually obeyed it and said, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So this phrase right here, this passage here, it's cross-reference. And you know where cross-references are back to? Hebrews eleven twenty-eight, 28, where we started. And so you begin to get an idea why this guy named Moses was in the Faith Hall of Fame. That he instituted the Passover that had never been taken, taken place. And you begin to see, man, a, a man of God who trusted God. Who believed God with his, own, his whole heart. Now I want you to turn with me back into the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and so much of what we just read there in Exodus will cross-reference right where I'm taking us. And so what you saw was what happened in the Old Testament before Jesus. But this is us as New Testament believers right here. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed or repurchased with corruptible or perishable things. 
Now, listen to the next words he uses here. Like silver or gold. You weren't redeemed with corruptible or perishable things like silver and gold. I want to highlight that because in our world, silver and gold are two of the greatest commodities you can have. And he says right there, you are you weren't paid for. You weren't bought back. You weren't repurchased by man's ideas of something that was great like silver and gold. Keep reading. From your aimless conduct. You weren't redeemed from your aimless conduct. Received by the traditions from your father's but you were redeemed from your aimless conduct by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and a lamb without spot. And so the only way mankind could be redeemed is through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way it could happen. So we go back and we look at the Lord Jesus. He was without sin. He was tempted as a man, but without sin. And so Jesus became that lamb, that perfect sacrifice. And so again, the only way that his blood could represent me and you was he had to die. And so Jesus said to the Father, I'll willingly do it for mankind. And so again... The price we were redeemed with, it's huge. It's incredible. I remember before I gave my heart to Jesus and I was a great sinner, I had a guy that was witnessing to me, actually witnessed to me about every day. And I remember one day he said to me, there was a man named Jesus who died for you. And I said, why did he die for me? And he began to explain this. And something that day moved within my heart. Where I remember saying to him over and over again, He died for me? And he said, yeah, he did. And so I want you to go with me to the book of, of Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. And this passage is what we'll end with tonight. Woo, it's a good one too. Revelations 12, verse number 9. Now watch how the Bible will teach us here tonight. So the great dragon was cast out. He was cast out of where? He was cast out of heaven. The reason he was cast out of heaven is because he rebelled against God. And it goes on to say, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So what that's talking about there, when the devil rebelled against God, it said God cast him to the earth 
And he said the angels who were with him. So if you study the scriptures, a third of the angels, why? They rebelled with him. They followed him. And so because of that, they were cast out also. Now here's an interesting note. Biblically, get this tonight. Where did it say they were cast to? The earth. So when you look at that right there, it tells me the devil has a legal right to be here on earth, okay? And understand this, until Jesus comes back for the church, he's still going to be here on the earth. And at times I hear people say, well, devil, I send you straight back to hell. I bind you to hell. Well, you can do that all you want, but it's not biblical, okay? He was cast here to the earth, and so he has a right to be here. But again, when you study the life of the Lord and Savior Jesus in Colossians 2.15, it says he disarmed principalities and powers. He made an open show of them, an open spectacle. So what happened when Jesus died on the cross? For those three days that he was in the belly of the earth, he took on every form of darkness. Every demon there was. And it said he made a public display of them. So you know what I believe he did? I believe it was like a parade in hell. And he would parade around death. And he would parade around destruction. And all the junk that the devil tries to do. And he would say, I disarmed you. I defeated you. And so again, we can study biblically because in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, he, he sent out 70 disciples and they came back and they said this. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Think about that. In the name of Jesus, I don't have to put up with stuff. I can tell you this, in my own life, there's times in my heart I'll sense the Lord saying, you're putting up with way too much. So you know what he says in Luke 10 verse 19? Jesus, he said this, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And so do you know what Jesus did? Everything he did for us on the cross, he gave us as his authority. He said, use my name. Actually, in Matthew 16, verse 19, the Lord Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. If you got the keys, you got the power. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Loosing and binding means an unlocking and unlocking. So Jesus did this right here. When he left the earth, he said, I give you the keys. There you go. And so again, he's given us authority. Now watch what he does here also. Keep reading. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ has come. And when it talks about the power of his Christ has come, that's his authority. Jesus has given us authority. If you are a born again believer, I don't care how many days, hours, years you've been born again, you have right to the name of Jesus. He's the Lord and Savior. And the name of Jesus, according to Philippians 2, 9 through 10, is the name that's the name above every name in heaven and earth and hell. Better than MasterCard. Ooh, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. 
I remember my early years as a believer. I didn't know anything about the Bible. Man, they started teaching me about the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. And man, I'd wear that name out. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank God you don't only have 100 hits. You can use that all your life. Speak in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says, Everything you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. Ooh, in Jesus' name. So remember what Jesus said to the disciples in Mark 16. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, lay hands on the sick in my name and they'll recover. He said, cast out devils in my name and they got to go. Let me tell you right now, the name of Jesus hadn't diminished a bit. And pastor better keep reading. So it goes on to say, for the accuser of the brethren, that's the devil, the accuser of the brethren. Do you know the name Satan means accuser? The accuser of the brethren, listen, listen to this, who accused them, the believers, the brethren, before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, now get this, this is what's going on in heaven. This, this shows you what goes on in heaven. He said day and night, it's like the devil comes back and forth and he accuses us. And he accuses us. And he throws these accusations at every one of us. And it's like in a court of law. And, and the judge cannot render a verdict without testimony and witnesses and evidence. And so he's going back and forth. And guess what? He's accusing me and you. That's what's going on. But watch this in verse 12 or verse 11. And they, the brethren, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So what happens with the blood of Jesus? It silences all his accusations. And so what begins to take place is when he begins to accuse and accuses and accuses, Father God brings in the Lord Jesus as me and you's representative. And he says, let me hear your testimony. And the Lord Jesus said, I paid for them on the cross. I bled for them in my broken body. And Father God says, show them your evidence. And the Lord Jesus lifts up his shirt and shows him the stripes. And he puts his hands out and he shows him. And he says, my blood still speaks today. My blood still speaks today. And Father God grabs the gavel and he pounces and he goes, innocent, innocent, innocent. You ought to clap. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching a lot better. You guys are clapping. And so he said, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the last phrase, and by the word, by the word of their testimony. When it talks about the word of the testimony, the authority of God's word is the word of the testimony. And it's a key to their overcoming. So again, you get in the word. The word of God's a weapon. The blood of Jesus. So here's what I like to do with the blood of the Lamb. And I... I wear the blood out, guys. I don't, I don't plead my case. I don't plead my cause. I plead the blood of Jesus. And I'll say, Lord Jesus, I welcome your blood over my eyes today. I welcome your blood over my mind. I welcome your blood over my situations. I welcome your blood over my children, my marriage. I welcome your blood. To, oh, the blood of Jesus. Now think about this. 
The Israelites had to do that by an act of faith. So again, it's going to be a step of faith. But something happens when I begin to say, Lord Jesus, your blood covers me. It washes me. I'm blood bought. According to 1 Peter 1, 8, 18 and 19. And so again, the, the, the more I learn to live under the blood, the better off I am. And so again, we go back and we look at this man named Moses. And he said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that, that that lamb will do everything God said it would do. You know that blood of the lamb still does the same thing? You know, you can look at me like you're crazy. And you know what, I am crazy for Jesus. See, guys, for 38 years of my life now, and I just be coming under the blood. Just keep coming under the blood. I keep saying, I don't try to plead my, you know what, I've been good. I hadn't cussed for two days. I went to church this week. I pray, listen, the devil's going to laugh if that's what your witness is. He's going to look at you and say, bam. He'll say, what is that? So again, don't plead your cause or your plead the blood. The blood's the only thing, and it's if you go back and look, the only way I'm saved is through the blood of Jesus. The only way I'm forgiven is through the blood of Jesus. Live by the blood. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.